Today is Monday, August 28, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The real cause of the Hawaiian wildfires has been announced, and it's not global warming. We'll love that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray as we do each and every weekday at 7 a.m., Trey Gons Phillips. Billy, well, he's on vacation, kind of. He was supposed to be on the way back, but is actually stranded a little bit because of this storm. But Trey is here on this Monday. How you doing, Trey? It was a good weekend. Good. It's been a good morning so far. Good. Not for Billy, but, no. you know, for us. No. Glad they made it out of Florida safely, but uh, their yeah. travel disasters caused because of this storm as it approaches. And we'll have more on the storm itself coming up in the podcast. A lot of things going on in the news here that we are going to get to. We're going to get right into it. Trey, you have Alice Cooper news coming up on the Focus Story. Yeah, you know he's a fascinating guy just yeah. because he, of the the genre of music he's in. Obviously, hard rock, but he's also a strong Christian, uh, and now he's being canceled for some comments he made. So we'll get into that. Yeah, looking forward to the details on that. Plus, leprosy is back in the news, but so are the misconceptions surrounding it. Madison Seals has the details there. But first, we are going to get through the news here in ninety seconds. And Hawaiian officials are attributing the cause of the catastrophic wildfires, not as global warming as the Democratic governor and others warned early on, but due to alleged failures from the state's main power company and down power lines this week. The lawsuit filed Thursday last week. The government of Maui County, Hawaii, alleged that the Hawaiian Electric Company and its subsidiaries failed to properly down live electrical equipment this is as they had red flag windstorm warnings going on earlier this month. And it's that, they say, that caused the wildfires and sparked them, which, of course, they went on to ravage the island and cause widespread damage. Hundreds died. Ron DeSantis, who gained some momentum in polling after last week's GOP primary debates, had to stop uh, the campaign trail and deal with an incoming storm system. Medallia's on the way in. Plus, there was a deadly shooting at a Jacksonville mall. And Joe Wurzelbacher, who's affectionately known as Joe the Plumber, died after a battle with pancreatic cancer this weekend. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Sad news about Joe the Plumber. Yeah, you know, it's something that happened... So quickly, because I remember when we, when Billy first wrote the story about him, that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and raising money, his family raising money for him uh, you know, for medical treatment. Uh, I'm glad he was able to, even though it was you know literally just days ago, I'm glad he was able to move closer to family yeah, uh, so that he could be near his loved ones, his extended family uh, before he died. But that, I mean, still, that's such a, such a tragic thing, but I hope it's a comfort to the family to know he was a believer and we know where he is. You know, you mentioned that he moved closer to his home there near the end, which was a great comfort to him. That happened because of everyone who donated to the Give, Send, Go. And I know it yeah. was mentioned on our podcast, um, our friends over at The Blaze and Glenn Beck, they mentioned it as well. And that surged to well over $100,000. And the family said that that is what enabled them to make that move. So 
uh, really great to see people rallying together in the midst of a difficult time like that. And so those are just a few of the things going on, but we are going to head over to the focus story right now. And as a Trey mentioned there just a few moments ago, hard rock artist Alice Cooper is speaking out against trans surgeries for minors. What's he uh, saying here that's getting him in trouble with, uh, with the uh, cancellation mob? So he was on um, he was on a podcast or a platform called Stereo Gum, uh, actually just last week, uh, where he made several comments about transgenderism, specifically transgenderism with with minors, uh, and then what he believes also generally about uh, the movement and and what's possible and what's not possible when it comes to redefining a person's sex. Uh, so he said, uh, it's wrong when you've got a six year old kid who has no idea. Uh, talking about transgenderism he said he just wants to play and you're confusing him by telling him yeah you're a boy but you could also be a girl if you want to be Uh, he said i think that's so confusing to a kid it's even confusing to a teenager Uh, i would add it's even confusing to an adult yes but but cooper stopped a teenager for this for this comment he said "Uh, you're still trying to find out your identity and yet here's this thing going on saying yeah but you can be anything you want to be you can be a cat if you want to be Uh, He said, I mean, if you identify as a tree, and then he kind of trailed off. He said, "Uh, come on, what are are we in? A Kurt Vonnegut article or uh, novel. He said, it's so uh, absurd. And I think, Dan, the most interesting thing he, he had to say was, Really, he didn't, even though he is a strong Christian, he didn't approach it from a theological standpoint because he was on a secular podcast, uh, and he said, we should really just at least approach it from a logical perspective. Uh, He said, if you have these genitals, you're a boy. If you have those genitals, you're a girl. Uh, He said, and just because you desire to be one sex doesn't mean you can change to that sex. Whatever you're born at is, is what you remain. Yeah, well, he's speaking too much common sense for the people these days to handle. Yeah, that's true. Um, but now he's being, you know, kind of targeted by this mob, canceled the uh, common term that people use by a brand he's collaborated with. What What is the details here? Yeah, so it's a, it's a makeup brand uh, because remember he is a yeah. hard rock guy. So, he does wear a yeah. lot of makeup. <laughs> right, they they wear a lot of makeup. Uh, the brand is actually called Vampire Cosmetics. Uh, it was a big collaboration that both parties were excited about because Cooper's a, a pretty big star in that genre of music. Uh, but over the weekend, uh, Vampire Cosmetics decided to distance themselves from Cooper because they view his comments as extremely bigoted and hateful. Wow. Uh, so they said in a statement, in light of recent statements by Alice Cooper, we will no longer be doing a makeup collaboration with him. We stand with all members of the LGBTQIA plus community and believe everyone should have access to health care. All pre-order sales will be refunded. So not only did they cancel the the collaboration but they were already rolling out the products and now they're just going to rescind them and refund everybody before they even mail them out so people have already bought this uh, and they're just going to give them a refund and say never mind even though we've made the product it's been created it's sitting in a warehouse we're not even going to ship it out at this point gosh that is unbelievable and i mean look nothing says fighting the system like a hard rocking rock star nothing says that like oh a couple of people don't like it, so we're going to just go ahead and tuck tail and run. 
And it and it's yeah. particularly sad on this issue, Trey, because I saw some clips over the weekend of some parents filming their kid talking about a transition. One parent had actually done started doing some of the physical transitioning to their child from a boy to a girl. The child was only like eight or nine. And the video is of the kid being confused, saying, will you still love me if I'm a boy? I kind of feel like a boy sometimes. There's an actual boy saying this who had been transitioned to a girl. because I mean, that is child abuse. And to see people like Alice Cooper speaking out against this, and then he being the one that gets canceled for it, it's really mind-blowing that this is where we are as a society right now. Yeah, it's, it's it should be concerning, I think, to all parents, regardless of your background. But certainly if you're a Christian, it should be concerning uh, that this is kind of the hostility. This is where we direct our hostility and our anger is, as you said, toward the person who's trying to ideally protect the children from being exposed to something uh, that they have no business being exposed to. It's also interesting that Cooper is not really alone uh, in being a celebrity speaking out about this issue pretty recently. Uh, We wrote about this on faithwire.com, just a story kind of of all three of these people. But uh, in addition to Cooper, Carlos Santana, uh, the famous guitarist, obviously has spoken out uh, against it. Unfortunately, he kind of rescinded what he said. Yeah. Uh, he he said from the stage during a concert in New Jersey that sex is unchangeable, essentially, uh, and that God has a plan and a purpose for everybody. Uh, really just quoting scriptures, quoting the Psalms, uh, was loosely seemed to be what he was doing, that God had a plan before you were born. He had an intention for you as a male or a female, uh, and that can't be changed. Like I said, he later walked that back. Uh, but then the former Twisted Sister lead singer, Dee Snyder, uh, over the summer in June, uh, late June, he also spoke out against uh, puberty blockers, uh, transgender-related surgeries and hormone therapies, specifically for minors. Uh, he said that he considers himself an ally uh, of the LGBTQ community, uh, but he said specifically he has an issue with doing it uh, to children. Uh, he said, I've recently stated, I do not believe young children are ready to decide their gender allocation. Quote, I believe their choices should be supported and accepted by their parents, but I don't think that kids have the mental capacity to make rational, logical decisions on things of a magnitude uh, like surgery, like hormone therapy, because unfortunately, all of this is experimental. We, we have yeah. no idea how it's going to impact a person. Uh, and we also know that it's permanent. So you're forever sterilizing a little boy or a little girl when you put them through this uh, as a minor. Yeah. And let's not conflate. And I think this is what a lot of people who are in favor of these types of surgeries do. They you know, conflating these issues, we're not going to make this a debate about individual rights as far as what you want to do when you're an adult. I, I think the, not many people would disagree with that, but the disagreement becomes as to what you should do and how God designed you. And we can have those conversations while agreeing that, hey, adults should be able to do that if they want. But it really is just about God's design and like saying it's universal for everybody. Men are men, women are women. God has a very specific design for us. And all the rest of this is not, the rest of this really is just a mental issue. And it was always classified as this before, just recently, where they decided to change all this and say, this is who people are finding out who they are, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're conflating all these issues and trying to 
justify this and it just doesn't add up. Yeah, you know, I think the the important thing is, as you said, to draw the line with kids uh, and make sure that we're protecting them because they're among obviously the most vulnerable in our society. But I, I do think as a believer, we have to remember that uh, the moral position we're taking isn't because it's logical. It's not because right. it's science-based, um, though those things are true. Uh, but the reason we take that position is, as you said, because that's what God's word says. That's yeah. what he designed for us. And whether it makes sense to us and our finite way of thinking or not, even though this issue does make sense, uh, it, it doesn't really matter, right? Because if the Lord says this is how we ought to live, the Lord is sovereign and he, of course, knows much better than we do. Uh, so that should be the model that we put forward. And I think the other thing we have to remember is, as you said, this is well, firstly, I think it's a spiritual issue, but then secondarily, it is a mental issue. It's a mental health problem. So we need to be graceful in how we interact with people because they often do really feel these feelings or they really do feel like because they've been told by society that this is what they are. Yeah, even so by I their parents sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So I think we have to engage in these conversations compassionately, but we should never sacrifice truth. You know, yeah. I think that's so often what's happening is is we try to be so compassionate that we end up sacrificing the truth of Scripture. So I think holding those two things together and balancing it is critical when we're talking to adults. But with children, that needs to be a hard line. Yeah. They need to be protected completely from this. Yeah, absolutely. And Alice Cooper... Uh, obviously feels the same and um, is getting a little bit of flack for that and looks like even suffering some business relationships uh, because of that. So, of course, we'll be praying for him there as he deals with that situation and all the people who stand up for this and speak for truth, that they would have that boldness and and not back down. But appreciate you bringing that one, Trey, uh, to our radar screens today. That's going to lead us into the main thing right now. And leprosy, believe it or not, is back in the news. But so are some of the misconceptions surrounding the disease. Our own Madison Seals talked to Charles Dunn, a dermatologist in Central Florida, who answered some of the questions about this recent uptick in leprosy cases that's plaguing people's minds. That's today's main thing. So, Charles, I've been seeing quite a few headlines lately talking about leprosy, which might come as a shock to some who haven't really heard about the disease outside of the Bible. You co-authored the report that really brought this to people's attention, and that's why I wanted to talk to you today to clear up some misconceptions or maybe some concerns about leprosy in the modern day. So in this report, you warn that Central Florida has been identified as a leprosy hotspot. Can you talk about what that means? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. So I think that the term hotspot sometimes is sensationalized, same as the term endemic, which was used in the article as well. So to maybe back up just a little bit, leprosy is caused by a very unique slow-growing bacteria, a group of bacteria called Mycobacterium leprae complex. And basically what our article essentially shows is a very rare condition. It still is very rare. You know, there's 150 to 200 cases diagnosed in the United States annually. Just to kind of give global perspective, 250,000 cases are diagnosed globally with this condition every year. So it's still a very small drop in the bucket. And then to even kind of hone in on Florida, uh, you know, in 2020, 
uh, whenever we looked at these these numbers, out of 159 cases that were diagnosed in the U.S., 27 of them were in the state of Florida. So that's about 16 to 70 percent of U.S. cases. And then of those 27, 22 were in counties that are considered central Florida. So really what our paper highlights is that there's just this really interesting, strong geographic predilection for this disease uh, that's really highly treatable if it's caught early, but it can be missed. And that's kind of what we wanted to highlight with our paper. You said it's been around for a while and it's actually maybe known more widely as Hansen's disease. Is that right? Correct. So how does this disease spread then? Sure. So Really, the bacteria that we're talking about, it's a, an incredibly slow-growing bacteria that replicates over the course of months, not days, not hours, so months. So really, the bacteria itself is transferred. We think it's primarily transferred, at least globally. The old axiom is that you need three things to acquire leprosy. You need a contagious patient. You need a susceptible person. So 95% of the population in the world actually contains a genetic innate immunity to leprosy and cannot get the disease process. You need a contagious patient, a susceptible person, and a close contact. So we think globally that transmission is primarily driven by respiratory droplet exposure over the course of, of many months. So this is prolonged close contact who has untreated leprosy. This is not, you know, I'm shaking hands with somebody, I'm giving them a hug, I'm seeing them in clinic for 20 minutes, I'm sitting together with them at a meal. So that's globally what we think is the most common thing is close contact over the course of months to years. Now in the United States, the transmission is a little bit harder to nail down. What we've seen is that, you know, reports from the CDC and the Florida Department of Health is that around 75% of new cases that are detected in the United States actually have no close contact. So in that situation, transmission we think is more of a zoonotic problem, meaning that it comes from an animal and is transferred from an animal to a person. And the best vector that we know of, the best animal vector um, that we know of is the nine-banded armadillo. And so the line from armadillo to person is not always clear. Most cases actually don't aren't from patients that say, oh yeah, I was hanging out with my pet armadillo yesterday. And, you know, and that's kind of how I contract the disease. Most people don't remember coming into contact with armadillo. So there's not always like a perfect line, but we think that that's probably that there's something environmental or zoonotic that's driving the transmission in the United States, which is why it's still around and why numbers are kind of vacillating, creeping up and kind of, you know, clustering the sense. Yeah, that's interesting. And I want to address something that I've seen in a couple different headlines. Some news outlets that were saying the CDC had issued a travel warning yeah. for people going to Florida. What's the situation with that? Completely false. So first of all, the journal that this was published in was in the Emerging Infectious Diseases Journal, which is a journal that's supported by the CDC. But this is not the CDC that's reporting this. This is, I'm, you know, I'm a dermatologist in central Florida and, uh, you know, have no affiliation with the CDC. And so this was not the CDC that was reporting this. Also, I think it's really important whenever you read articles like this, it's really important to understand the audience, what it's designed for. And if you really dig into the text, what you'll see is that our paper really it's designed for clinicians. Right. It's designed for clinicians because uh, the uh, what we're trying to get across is that there's this really interesting, strong, right, geographic predilection for this disease that's highly treatable if it's caught early. But it can be missed from like a physician's perspective because 
Um, this is a very slow growing bacteria. So sometimes the clinical findings are very subtle. And whenever I'm contact tracing someone for leprosy, I, really I'm trying to find, you know, it's like kind of trying to find a needle in a haystack. I'm trying to figure out where they were five, six, seven years ago, you know, not where they were a few hours or days ago. So it's a slow growing bacteria with subtle clinical manifestations. And in the clinical community, there's this misconception that it only occurs in people born outside the United States or that it's only in people that have a known contact with nine banded armadillos. So our report was aimed at clinicians to educate them that that's not necessarily the case that we have a, you know, we have a patient that didn't leave the state of Florida that has no known contact with nine banded armadillos that had clinical findings that were consistent with leprosy, but there was a little bit of delay in the diagnosis because it wasn't recognized that in the absence of these factors, this condition exists. We never existed a travel advisory. It, what we did was we encouraged clinicians to consider geographic areas where, so this comes, you know, this is where the term endemic comes from. So in the CDC endemic, all it means is the consistent presence of a disease or infectious agent within a given geographic area or a population group. We have endemic illnesses in the United States all over the place. Influenza is an endemic illness. We even have regional endemic illnesses. Lyme disease is a really common one that we think about as being more endemic to the Northeast United States, right? So it's not sensational to say that we have this, you know, geographic clustering of, of cases here. And if you have somebody that has clinical findings consistent with leprosy, you know, ask them about, you know, foreign travel or being outside the United States, ask them about nine banded armadillos. But if both, both those questions are negative, don't put your blinders on and think that they don't, they couldn't have leprosy. And maybe another question to ask would be, Hey, have you lived in central Florida for extended periods of time over the last several years? That's what, what we were trying to get across with our manuscript, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And there's a good reminder in there for all of us listening and for physicians to practice critical thinking Correct. and to do our own research and fact check things for ourselves as well. And you mentioned that this is highly treatable. So what does treatment involve? Mm -hmm. So treatment involves a, usually it's a multi-antibiotic course that's administered over the, um, it kind of depends on, on how advanced the disease is whenever we catch it, but usually it's over the course of months. So six months to up to a year, sometimes even longer. Um, but usually the antibiotics are taken, uh, you know, a regimen that's in, you know, endorsed by the world health organization and the national Hansen disease program really, um, includes like once monthly triple antibiotics for up to 12 months. And the truth is, is that once you start antibiotics within days, you become non-infectious. So this is not something where it's like, um, you have to worry about it. Not, you know, uh, you, you know, like you have to take antibiotics for an extended period of time and isolate yourselves. It's not true. It's kind of one of those things where once you start taking antibiotics, that you become non-infectious very quickly. As long as you catch it early, most of the findings are reversible and it's a, a very highly treatable condition. Yeah, well, that's great to hear for people like me who were exactly. kind of shocked when I saw it in the headlines. Absolutely. So even though it's extremely rare, it's good to be aware of the disease and what it looks like. And it's always good to be able to talk to your physician with a little bit more knowledge about what to ask for, what to ask the physician to look for. That's yes. all just good things to be equipped yes. with. Exactly. What are the four takeaways that people can take from this interview? So I think in summary, while it's true that leprosy is a really important global health concern, I think that there's really profound stigma 
and misconceptions about leprosy that are extremely potent that I like to dispel whenever I'm talking about it. The first is that this is an old condition, quote unquote, old condition. They talk about this being a condition from Bible times. Ironically enough, actually, the term leprosy in the Bible, scholars believe it doesn't actually mean leprosy clinically what we think about it now. The biblical term is serot, and so most of the cases of leprosy in the Bible we now know are more common skin conditions like vitiligo or psoriasis. But this is a condition that it has been around a long time, but it's not like it's been around, gone away, and it's come back. In fact, in the 1980s, there were between 11 and 18 million people diagnosed globally with leprosy. And compared from then to now, you know, we have 250,000 cases. That's actually globally an overall downtrend, but it's not an old condition that's gone away and come back. That's the first misconception. The second misconception is that this is a condition... I think of the terms unclean, quote unquote. This is not associated with cleanliness. This is not associated with hygiene in any way, shape, or form. Third is that this is an easy to get condition that requires isolation. The fact is that leprosy is not highly contagious. Like I mentioned earlier, 95% of the human population has inherent innate genetic immunity. And then the fourth idea is that this is an untreatable condition. This is a very easy to treat condition that results in no infective load within days of receiving your first treatment. So I think that those are the four common misconceptions uh, that I like to dispel because I've noticed that they've kind of been propagating and they can be extremely potent. And I think for patients, you know, if you have concerns, seek treatment from your physician, seek treatment from your dermatologist, and don't be afraid to ask us questions and, and also involve the people that you live with. And so I think that those are, you know, important things to, to get across whenever considering this report. Well, Charles, thank you so much for sharing your research with us today. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, my pleasure. All right, Madison, appreciate you bringing that information for us here on the podcast today. Appreciate it. That's going to leave us with time for one last thing. Yeah, we're going to look at Colossians 1.17. I think this passage is a great reminder in light of what we were talking about of God's sovereignty and his perfect plan for how all things ought to be yeah. in this world. The passage says, uh, and he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Fantastic verse and a great reminder as we watch the chaos of the day. You know, Vivek Ramaswamy made the comment, you know, back and forth with Pence saying, no, this isn't morning in America. It's a dark time in America. And that's one thing I think he got right. You know, we are living in a really dark moment in America and the, the basic ideals of America are under attack. And it's great to remember that God, in spite of all that, is in control. All right, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We will return tomorrow. God bless. We'll see you then.